When everyone's on the same page, getting things done at work is easy. No matter what you do or what industry you're in, how you communicate is key. Everything you type is equally important to collaboration, and Grammarly can help. Think of it as your AI writing partner, empowering you to communicate effectively and efficiently so you can make a bigger impact in the workplace. 96% of Grammarly users say it helps them craft more impactful writing. And as the gold standard of responsible AI, Grammarly is your secure AI writing partner that allows your team to make their point and move faster. By understanding your writing and context, Grammarly provides relevant, personalized suggestions. And with tone suggestions, you can navigate even the most difficult work conversations. You can also save time from spending hours editing drafts to just seconds with one click. Sign up and download Grammarly for free at Grammarly.com slash podcast. That's G-R-A-M-M-A-R-L-Y dot com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Subscribe to the Hit That Line Podcast Network, brought to you by Breeden RV Center. Breeden RV Center, family-owned and operated, a no-pressure, laid-back atmosphere, and always home of the free maintenance for life. You're listening to the Hog Talk Podcast, part of the Believe and Hit That Line Podcast Network. With us on the line is the voice of the Arkansas Razorback, Chuck Barrett. A former guest of the show, Coach Mike Neighbors from the Arkansas women's basketball team. We have from ESPN's Around the Horn, Highly Questionable, also a two-time Dan Levitard Show Suey winner and the <laughs> former heptathlete at Cornell, Sarah Spain. And we are happy to be joined by Martrell Spate. Mr. Phil Elson, the voice of Razorback baseball and the Ladybacks. Razorback Nation, welcome into episode number 169 of the one and only Hog Talk Podcast live from the Hyman Services studio. I am your host, Kyle Sutherland, alongside Porter Hayes, and we thank you, as always, for joining us. If you are a first-time listener, be sure and hit that subscribe button and wherever on whatever forum you are listening to. That way you get notified whenever we release an episode. If you could be so kind to leave us a review as well and a five-star rating, really helps us get our name out there and to reach more people. And Porter, I know you are just as excited as me. It seems like we always start off podcast talking about the weather like the old men that we are. But, uh, man, I'm telling you, it was it was a little slippery on my way to work today. But, man, just to be able to get into my drive, I, you know, I live out on 13 acres, and it's pretty sloppy. But just to be able to get out, uh, or at least up next to my house, has been uh, pretty great, man. I, I Look, I love snow. I think it's pretty. Actually, I don't really love it. I like to look at it. But this was just a little bit too much. And if I saw another snowflake for the rest of my life, it would be too soon. Yeah. Uh, yeah. When my work and stuff, it was getting, we were shut down for three days and my manager had been at this position for 17, 18 years. And he don't ever remember a time where Texas, Oklahoma, Kansas, Missouri, and Arkansas, all technicians were shut down for three days. I mean, and even today I was driving around Beaver Lake and it was still slick in some spots and it was 60 degrees outside. So yeah, it, like you said, it was fun to play in it for a day and go to get the side by side out. But Man, after that third day, you get stir crazy, and you're just ready for it to be over with. I can't believe I'm going public with this, but I, I was snowed in at my girlfriend's house the entire week, and I, my truck. So I've, I've got a two wheel drive F one fifty, and I, I didn't get the the four wheel drive. I know I probably should have. It's like against Arkansas rules not to drive a four wheel drive truck, but. I man, I just whenever I bought it, um, of course it was with like my my parents and my grandparents helped me out with it, and it was gonna be like an extra four grand for the four wheel drive. And I'm like, well, we don't get much inclement weather, but when you do have it, it's really nice when, to have. But I don't go mudding anything like that, so I just didn't really think it was necessary. But I couldn't even get out of her driveway. A lot of that was because it's so light and the bed. I had nothing in the bed, so it's just the weight distribution. But her little two wheel drive SUV got around just fine. So I felt a little uh, a little wimpy in that regard, but at least we had a, <laughs> a car to get around in. But, guys, as we've said on the yeah. last few shows, uh, we hope you all have been very safe. Hopefully you didn't have too many catastrophes. My house, I did have a busted pipe under the sink, and that will be fixed here pretty soon. But, you know, hope you all had a good time. Hope you all got some, some time spent with your families. I know many of you were snowed in. So uh, 
But yeah, it's it's good to to have that every once in a while. We got a loaded show for you here. We're going to talk some basketball. We're going to get our hog house non performer of the week. We didn't do that last week as we were talking with Ty Richardson uh, from the Morning Rush and one of our really good friends and business partner on the Hit That Line Podcast Network. And we're also going to be talking with Kevin Bohannon. We're not going to be covering the TCU game because we. Due to time constraints, that's just we wanted to try to get all three games in, but it just was not feasible with us releasing shows early in the morning, usually on Monday. This time will be Tuesday. And with uh, the way that the games have just been going, it's just not really feasible to do that, but we'll have plenty of content from the Texas and Texas Tech game. And then finally, in our last segment, we're going to be talking with uh, Rivals.com National Recruiting Director and the godfather of recruiting, Mike Farrell. A lot of good stuff there. Talk about his start with Rivals and also a couple of recruits that Arkansas has and where Rivals has them ranked. But before we get started, I want to let you guys know the Hog Talk Podcast is brought to you by our friends at Bet Online. The college basketball regular season is in its final week before we begin postseason play. Plus, the NBA and NHL are in full swing, and the only place you should be placing your bets is betonline.ag. Anything including awards, TV shows, and even reality TV, Bet Online has hundreds of props with real-time odds on almost anything you can imagine. There's also the online casino that never closes. So head to Bet Online or head to the website or your mobile device and sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. And Porter, right now, it is about as good to be a Razorback fan as it has been since 2014, 2015. So many teams ranked, men's and women's. The basketball team is 20th in the country. I believe the women are 16th. And uh, now the women are, are sitting in a, a weird spot in the SEC right now because they did struggle a little bit there in that stretch before they played UConn. We'll get into that here in just a second. But I know softball's doing really well. Gymnastics is ranked six. Softball just beat eight, number 18 Baylor. There's a lot of great things going on at the University of Arkansas right now. Yeah, it, it's it's. I mean, it's just proud, you know, and, and being someone who really tries to dive deep into the women's sports and cover it and, and give more coverage than, and than most can spend time with. I mean, the gymnastics team, I mean, they set a school record with the most points in, in a single meet at, you know, and then Kennedy Hambrick, she's uh, the same night, you know, she set a school record for the highest performer. You know, the team went one one ninety seven and three. Well, I guess you say three fifth point three five zero. And then she scored a 39.750 all around in, in her, her events. That's four events. So that's the highest any gymnast has ever scored at the University of Arkansas. And on the same night, the, the program scored, you know, their highest event total ever in, in beating Missouri. And on a night where they honored the heroes and stuff in Barnhill, I mean, they said that crowd was rocking. You know, then you got the softball team. They they played, you know, four games this weekend, and they're playing two tonight. So, you know, when it comes to softball and baseball, you can get a lot of games in in, in multiple days. And they went three and one. They dropped one in Mid East State, but then they turn around, like you said, beat Baylor. And I tell you what, they have hit so many home runs. I think they're leading the SEC in home runs already. They got two in Malkin and another one. Um, I can't name just slipped my mind there for a second. They got two that's already hit three home runs this season. So, I mean, they got a lot of power. And another one that's really stepped up and, and caught my attention was Mary Hatz. She's really stepped up, and her ERA is like one, 109 right now. So, I mean, just she went 3-0 and over the weekend, 19.2 innings and a 1.07 or 1.07 ERA over the weekend. I mean, that's crazy. In, in three games, you're throwing 19 innings. So, you know, they had a 14 – inning game with McNeese beat Baylor and it's just crazy the the talent that's on the hill when it comes to all the women's sports I mean soccer's about to get started they're ranked women's track and field they're number one in the nation so yeah to, to put it like you said yeah now's the best time to be a Razorback fan you say all that I mean I, I just soaking in all that to think about the success that all the <laughs> women are having and then you go to the women's basketball team. They've won, I believe it's six of their last seven, uh, excluding the yep. A&M, that really tough A&M loss. Man, both of those A&M losses were just brutal. Total of three points between both of those games. And like I said earlier, they're sitting at seventh in the SEC. That certainly does not depict what their talent is or how good of a team that they are overall. Chelsea's still leading the SEC with 21 points per game. I don't think there's any question whatsoever. Unless she just completely tanks in the final two games, 
there's just no debate, in my opinion, that she is the – I'm not quite sure that she's going to win it just because they do tend to show favoritism towards the, the – I don't want to say the more successful schools. I guess the schools with the better reputation, like the A&Ms that have had that have been there for a little while. I know Tennessee's fallen off within recent years. They've gotten back up this year. They're a much better team than they typically are. But I don't know. Maybe maybe they could shock the world and give it to her. But I definitely think that uh, that she has earned that. She is. I mean, just you've you've pointed out so many times that you'd just be really hard pressed to find a player really in men or women's sports, that means more to their team than what she does. They're still a good team without her, but they are a great team with her. And it just takes it to a whole entirely new level. And you look at their final two games. So they just beat LSU 74-64 at Pete Maravich uh, Assembly Center. I know that that game really didn't end the way that Mike Neighbors probably wanted to. They at one point had a run. They kept a pretty consistent 20-point lead. I, I really didn't watch a lot of the second half, but I know that they were up big most of the game but then you've got at Auburn on February 25th so Thursday and then you come home for the senior night against Alabama definitely two as our buddy Zach Garn says gettable games no question uh, Alabama you know they're a respectable team but Auburn's really been struggling this year and as we head into the SEC tournament I guess with that seven seed well they, they I'm, I'm drawing a blank will they get one by if they're a seventh seed and then they or will they play all five games will they have to play all five games? don't I don't know how that seating works. I hadn't had a chance to really look at the bracket. I thought it was top four, get the double by just kind of like the men's, but I don't know. And we don't know if any teams opt out, you know, that's Vanderbilt's true. opt out. Yeah. So, so I don't know how that's going to play out with the seating and double buys, but I, I can't give you a definite answer, but man, what, what Chelsea Dungy has done is grown. She's grown more from the second half of the season till now than she's done. I mean, she had got her game going, but I'm I'm just watching her since that UConn game and how she took over. And to me, and this is not just me because I cover the team, just watching her in those games and those important games where she's dropping 38, 37 points against a UConn, against Baylor, you know, she had 20 last night, but, you know, Slocum had 29. You know, if she doesn't get the SEC player of the year. I mean, to me, that just shows that it's a popularity contest because they, it, it's either going to go to Boston or run, which they've had that name through the start of the season. And I kind of made that point to tie when we were talking about the announcers and how they keep mentioning the same people's name. It's like, a, you know, you got to get that name out there and, and market that name and then give them the player of the year. But I honestly, just watching her this year and how she's taken over in big games. And last night, I mean, she come out firing. You know, usually you hit a peak and then you start declining. And she's getting ready because she owns Bon Secours Arena in Greenville, South Carolina during the SEC tournament. So the best is yet to come. Yeah, I definitely think but, – oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. I didn't – No, yeah, yeah, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, you, you look at – I got the stats pulled up here. And Aaliyah Boston, I mean, just the most dominant. I, I would say that Chelsea might be the best, like, overall in terms of fundamentally sound. But in terms of overall dominance, you probably got to put Aaliyah Boston as the top player in the SEC. 11 rebounds per game, three blocks per game, both lead the conference. But you got to think, though, South Carolina would probably – and this, this is probably another – I left them out when I mentioned Tennessee and A&M. But they would probably still be a national title contender. They would still be a phenomenal team without her. But, again, you take Chelsea away, you put Slocum and Ramirez and the players that they do have, you've got a respectable team, but you still don't have a national championship contender like you do just adding Chelsea. And so with her leading the conference and with what this Razorback team has done, I know that they had that struggle, like I mentioned, earlier in the season in SEC play. They lost a couple of last-second heartbreakers. But I just, man, you know, I guess you can't really be mad if if Boston gets it over her. But at the same time, I just, I, I don't know, man. Just the way that Chelsea has been able to lead. And again, Coach Neighbors said it. We've said it. Uh, he said it when he was on a couple of weeks ago, and we've mentioned it. Pretty much everything in women's basketball is measured how you play against UConn. And Arkansas got the opportunity to play UConn, and they beat them. And Chelsea had thirty-seven. So that pretty much says it all. And that's something South Carolina didn't do. Yeah, and South Carolina played the same team and, and couldn't get it done. So, and South Carolina just got beat by Tennessee as well. So, I mean, a, a lot of factors go into that. And I know if, and I won't be like devastated or go to Twitter and raise hell if, you know, Chelsea doesn't get it. But I just think, in my personal opinion, and I've watched a lot of 
the basketball games, other teams, and watch Boston and Ryan Howard and them play. I've just not seen anybody take over a team, put them on their back, and perform like Chelsea's done this year. And I, and and to me, I think she's on All American. I mean, and and throw the SEC Player of the Year. I think she has deserved to be. And I'm not saying first team, but she's deserved to be first or second team All American. And another one I want to bring up is you're seeing this team peak at the right time. You've got Ramirez finally. Yeah, she went scoreless 0 for 8 last night, but she's finally found her shot. Destiny Slocum's dropped 29 points. I'm telling you, Kyle, when this team gets in the SEC tournament and they get that berth the NCAA tournament after it was taken away from them the past two years, this team is going to be dangerous, and I wouldn't want to see them in, you know, in San Antonio. Well, and Slocum had 29 points, and Coach Neighbors said more than once that she's at about 80%, 90%. That's scary. Yeah. And, you yeah. know, I've said all year that I – and I still stand by that it scares me as we get into the deeper part of the seasons, like, you know, the Sweet 16s, the Elite 8s, not having that extra big. But if they keep shooting like this, I don't think that that's going to have to be a worry. I think Taylor Thomas will do enough. Aaron Barnum will do enough. If they continue to shoot that the way that they can, and Chelsea, I mean, you know that you know the teams are going to key on Chelsea. So will mm-hmm. so will they destiny take when she gets back to a hundred percent? Will she take that next step? And I think she will. She's proven it time and time again. She wasn't the number one grad transfer for nothing, and she's got all that experience. And she's just she's been to multiple schools. She knows how to get it done. And, and then this coaching staff, you think like we talk about Coach Neighbors all the time, but. Every time that he's on or we talk to him or you talk to him, he always talks about Todd Schaefer, what he does mm-hmm. on the defensive side of the ball. You've got great players, but with that comes a great coaching staff. And they are just, like you said, they're putting it all together at the right time. Yeah, and they, they've switched up their defense. They And, you know, at the first of the year, they only had one rebounder and four would get back. Now they've dropped two. They've got – and it showed. You know, Ramirez had six rebounds. Thomas had seven. Dungey had three. Michaela Daniels had they had 34 rebounds last night. And you go back to that Texas AM game, they got out rebounded 42 to 18. And he said, That's enough of that. He said, That's enough. He said, I challenged all of my players to get one more rebound per game. And and it showed. I mean, they're all getting more rebounds. But I tell you what, the biggest thing with Destiny is she is giving them another dribble drive threat. She put this girl on a spin cycle last night. Went to the lane with the left hand. And I'm telling you, if you've got Chelsea, you know, where they're key in trying to get those charges, and then you've got somebody like Slocum who could drive and get to the basket, that's just going to make them even more dangerous if Ramirez gets hot because you can't forget about Michaela Daniels. I mean, she can fire from three. Then the bench play with Barnum and Marquisha Davis. Jalen Mason. Mean, I mean, it's Jalen Mason. About so many different people. Yeah. It's, this, it's deep. That whole eight. The whole eight that he talks about that plays are very dangerous, and they can all go for 20, 25 at any given point. So, yeah, I'm excited. It, it sucks because I really wish that I could have went to you know Fayetteville and watched a tournament game, but with it being in San Antonio. But I'm just happy that, you know, barring something, knock on wood, you know, nothing bad happens. I'm going to be so happy for them to be able to go to the NCAA tournament this year. Yeah, this is they earned it as just as much as anybody has. Like we've talked about so many times, you mentioned it just a second ago that they got it. They got screwed. I'll I'll, I'll say it. They got screwed against Tennessee or in favor yep. of Tennessee a couple of years ago, and then of course COVID really messed up everybody's last year. But as I mentioned, they uh, they play at Auburn on Thursday, February 25th. It'll be on the SEC Network at 8 p.m. before they close it out next Sunday against Alabama at home. Now, the men, on the other hand, did not get to play Saturday, mainly because I I don't care what anybody says, man. There there is something – I totally buy into that conspiracy that there is something other than COVID going on at Texas A&M. They have not played since January 31st. There is just something else going on. I don't know what it is. I I mean, you know – I don't know why they haven't hung up their season yet. We're going to lead into our Hoghouse non-performer of the week here in a second. There's really not much to cover since last last week's show. We talked about a lot of that, thinking that we were going to be playing the Aggies. That didn't happen. But the men right now, they're ranked 20th, and they play Alabama on Wednesday. I believe Alabama, I don't have their ranking. I think they're 8th. So this will be the first top 25 matchup in Bud Walton Arena since 1998. So a lot of that's hype. That's crazy. Yeah, you got to think about that, man. I mean, I know that we've had some down years, but that's crazy. It's been almost a quarter century since that happened. Well, 
I'll, I'll bring another one. This is the only the seventh game ever in Bud Walton Arena. Put that, I mean, with all the great teams that's played in Bud Walton Arena in Arkansas, this is going to be the only the seventh time that both teams have been ranked. That's wild. Yeah, because, I mean, you think about that. I think the year that we won, it was either the year before we won the national championship. I think it was actually the year we won the Natty. So you, you win the national championship in 94. You go back in 95. You make the Sweet 16. And so basically those three years, the first three years that it was open, you get to at least the Sweet 16. You haven't been back there since. But you still were making the tournament most years in the final final tenure of Nolan. And to think that that is the that that's crazy. You have not you don't even have two full hands in that time. That is just really wild. I had not seen that. But I'll tell you, Porter, we are trending right at the same. You know, Vanderbilt gave Alabama all that they want. Uh, shout, shout out to uh, Jerry Stackhouse. He hit me with the Matumbo the other day because I, uh, <laughs> I I was I was waiting for it, man. You know, I, I, it was really uh, slow for me last week. wasn't at the office. I was just kind of chilling, and I I saw that he just kind of threw another fit when they lost to Kentucky. Now, they they played a good performance against Kentucky, just couldn't close it out. He throws the little, like, he kind of gives uh, Calipari the little hand, not the handshake, but, you know, he flaps his wrist at him as Cal gave him the little deuces, like a lot of coaches have been doing this year. So I just, you know, I I just casually asked, hey, has Jerry Stackhouse been classy in any loss this year? And he gave me the block just like he's given everybody. So I thought that was pretty funny. But they gave Alabama all that they wanted, and Nate Oates, did see now I know that it's also coaches speak for him to do this, but he seemed pretty concerned in his postgame presser saying, Look, if we don't if we play like this, then yes, we will lose to Arkansas. Now, of course, the Bud Walton factor, just like it has any kind of home court advantage, really gets thrown out the window this year just because you can't have that full capacity. But I'll tell you, Porter, those four or five thousand fans that will be there, you can bet that they are going to be on their feet and screaming at the top of their lungs and making it sound as close to that as they possibly can. Yeah, and I've been in that arena when there's 4,400. That that UConn game, I mean, the way they space everybody out, and you get 4,400 in there, I'm telling you, it was loud. And I'm not saying it was as loud as 19,000, but they can definitely make a difference. You know, Coach Neighbors, you know, told us after the UConn win, you know, it, that the fans and the crowd gave them 10 to 15 points. So it, it all depends. You can get 4,400 to show up. But you need them to get them to show out. That, that's that's where that other part of it. They need to get up and be on their feet and screaming and cheering and, and stuff. So that that gym is definitely capable of doing that and, and, and producing. And I think I mentioned the Oklahoma State gym, how it feels like they're just on top of you, the student section. So there's only a few gyms that can really get, you know, that many people because you got to look at the around the SEC, there's not that many arenas that are as big as Bob Walton, you know. So their capacity levels are a lot different than like Arkansas. So we can get 4,400 in there. And I think they kind of skewed it up. I think it was 4,000 to start the year. And I think they packed them, they, they added another 400, especially for that UConn game. So we'll see if they do it for the Alabama game as well. Well, and so this game was canceled. The game with AM was announced that it was going to be postponed essentially just a little over 24 hours before it was supposed to be played. We found out Friday afternoon. Well, Go ahead. Well, the team was on the bus yeah, on the way were, to get on the plane. They were getting – it was just like the <laughs> for, for the Texas Bowl. I don't know what it is about these Texas mm-hmm. Bowls that uh, they like to wait until we're literally loading the bus until they tell us that it's being canceled. But a little bit – I don't know. It was, a, it was a really sketchy ordeal. So, of course, Arkansas, like they should be doing, are trying to find a game. The NCAA, Now, initially, when the first A&M game got canceled, you remember that we were not able to, uh, to find a game because we'd already played our nine non-cons and we had had the rest of the conference schedule to play. Well, we got it approved to try to find another one. I know that there was – Gonzaga had an opening. I, I think it was Tulsa. Well, Arkansas State also had one. As you, you guys have probably already heard by now, look, I, you guys know that I am not going to miss a sh- chance to take a shot at Arkansas State. I'm always going to do it. Now, look, a lot of it's all in good fun. I've got a lot of family. My dad is from southeast Missouri. Some of my family, my, my mom's or my, my dad's mom is from Corning up in northeast Arkansas. So I've got a lot of family up in that area, a lot of Indian slash Red Wolf grads. So I, I take a shot at him any chance that I can. But Mike Bellotto, their head coach. Look, I, I have a lot of respect for the guy. I, uh, I think that uh, he's he's definitely had some struggles uh, trying to rebuild that program. But, man, I, I didn't like the response that he had. So we're going to start this with our Hog House Non-Performer of the Week. 
start the music here. And so Mike Bellotto, as everyone probably expected of a show that uh, that I was hosting, that I'm definitely going to take a shot at Arkansas State if I can. So I'm going to play this clip, and I'll let you guys judge. Uh, you can judge from where you're listening. But this is, again, Coach Mike Bellotto, the head coach of Arkansas State, explaining why they did not choose to take the invite to play Arkansas. Yeah, you know, when you play uh, games, they, they got to benefit both teams. You know, we're not going to get bullied into playing a game just because it benefits one team. We, we don't do that. We're not nobody's little brother. Um, we're going to play basketball when it's benefit to us and the other team. So I've talked to their, uh, reached out to their at basketball office about playing them on November 13th. They do have that date open, so it is on the table. So I'm hoping they come back with something that we can go ahead and start playing uh, next year on November 13th because we have that date open. They have that date open. we got plenty of time to prepare, so let's go ahead and sign the contract. Okay, so, Porter, I don't necessarily have a problem with them. Now, I did take jabs on Facebook. I took jabs on Twitter, again, because that's what I'm going to do when Arkansas State's involved. It's all in good fun. I don't necessarily have a problem with them not playing because he went on to follow up with this saying they're trying to go for that number one seed in the Sun Belt. They've had a <laughs> terrible season, but they, oh, they've done God. a lot better. But the thing, and they're also going to try to play four games and and six days or whatever it was. Here's the problem that I had with it. I just didn't like how he he blatantly was just so butthurt by everything. Talking about look, if you have to say that we're not going to be somebody's little brother, bro, Arkansas State does isn't even in the same family as Arkansas. You're not comparing an SEC school to a, a Sun Belt school. I know we do it all the time, but that was my big thing with him. Just. Uh, just immature, I think. Just yeah. to, to go after, just and start on this little ramble, a little. I'm a little. Uh, I'm trying to think of the appropriate word. Tangent. Yeah, tangent. Well, I was. Well, I was. I was going to say something that rhymes with itch fit, but you know, just <laughs> one of those deals. Liz, I, I, yeah. just, I, I just. Uh, I thought that that was a little bit too far. It's fine if you didn't want to play the game. If you want to say that you didn't want to play the game, no problem. But to go about it like that, I, I wholeheartedly did not agree. Uh, total, totally. I, I didn't like anything what he said. I, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. I mean, and me and you, we're both in relationships. I'm married. Anybody out there can relate to this saying. It's not what you say, it's how you say it. And that's exactly where he dug his hole. It's how he said it. Bullied. Nobody bullied you. Y'all have been wanting this game. Y'all have been begging to play Arkansas in exactly. any sport. You want you want to kick you want to kick the dog while it's down. But now that it comes out that, that you can play, did honestly, did we really expect on a day's notice for Arkansas State to play? But there's so many other things that underlining that people, I'm hearing that 90 minutes before they went and found a game on a Monday. So were they really trying to get that extra dodge, that excuse not to play Arkansas? You know, the timing. And so on the other thing, we're, we're going for a number one seed. You're three games back. You're seven and six in conference. Get out of here with that crap. You know, I mean, it's like, are you really trying to jab at Arkansas and, and say that you're you're in contention for a conference title and Arkansas is not? Like, I don't buy that. I mean, it was total trash. It was a punk move, and he shouldn't have said it, and he got called out for it. Well, and the one thing I will say that I – when you know we always talk about how much of a trash move this is i was talking to a good buddy of mine who happens to be friends with mike Bellotto and they were texting and apparently there were which you know this is sad but it's not shocking there was apparently some people that went after his kids and his and his wife which we will not condone and we will never condone that's always too far but uh, so yeah that kind of stuff is just a trash move but overall uh, yeah, you want to take some jabs at him? That's fine. You know, within reason. Again, if you want to like, yeah. if you want to do the crying, laughing emoji and all that stuff, you know, no big deal. But yeah, just no place for that. But at the end of the day, Mike Bellotto, we'll see you hopefully in November, and Mike and Coach Musselman will not be taking his foot off your throat. Of course, I mean that from a <laughs> a basketball figurative standpoint, not yeah. literally. Well, Porter, I think that will do it for uh, for segment one. A lot of good stuff there, man. And uh, I know that by the time we do this next week, we'll just be about starting the women's conference tournaments. We'll be covering the rest yep. of uh, so the Auburn and the Alabama. Well, I guess we'll probably talk about the Auburn game a little bit on Friday's show possibly. But uh, a lot of good stuff here, guys. Again, if you have not already, please subscribe to the podcast. That way you're always notified. Other than that, we will have Kevin Bohannon on, our baseball expert, talking about some of the games from the showdown in Arlington over the weekend. Stay with us. We will be right back.
Whether rare dead stock or the latest release, find the exact shoe you're looking for through our friends at eBay. As the original sneaker marketplace, eBay is the place to go for the pair you have been eyeing. eBay's authenticity guarantees your sneakers are meticulously inspected by independent professional authenticators that verify the box, logo, stitching, and dozens of other inspection points. The guarantee also protects sellers with a verified return process. Selling fees have even been eliminated on sneakers $100 or more, making it free to sell or flip your collection. Go to ebay.com slash sneakers today. eBay, the world's best destination for discovering great value and unique selection. You're listening to the Hog Talk Podcast, part of the Believe and Hit That Line Podcast Network. Kyle Sutherland with you, and we are now joined by our baseball guru, Kevin Cabo Bohannon. Cabo, I know you're just stepping off of a plane, getting to the hotel room. Been a long couple of nights if you stayed up watching the Hogs play in the State Farm College Showdown. But in the first two games, you saw a lot of offense, 13 runs scored. First game, you saw a lot of offense, 13 runs scored. Five in the ninth inning and a 13-9 victory over number three, Texas Tech. And then Sunday beating the hated Texas Longhorns from Austin in a 4 to nothing fashion when Peyton Pallette and Caleb Bolden threw a two-hit shutout. Man, what can you say over two games that you saw a lot of really good things, but you also saw some concerns, as you would expect, not playing much last season and then beginning a new year? Yeah, it everything's kind of like- – played out the way I thought it would. Um, the hitters, they made really good contact last night against Texas. And we hit Adam balls right at them. You know, we Christian Franklin hit one 406 feet the other night. So I know he, he hadn't got, he's only had one hit on the year so far. Um, Caden Wallace, he's had one hit uh, struggling just a little bit. Uh, but Brady Slavens, man, what can you say? There was a lot of talk about him coming out of Johnson County Community College, and he's proven it, hit a home run against Texas. He's, he's got two hits against TCU. Uh, he's hitting over 400 right now. He's the only one on the team hitting over 400. So that's on the offensive side of things. I think that those guys are going to get going. You've seen kind of early on, yeah, Texas Tech hit a couple of home runs, but Texas really didn't hit. Ole Miss is going to hit. They, they've got a really good lineup, but – We've got some younger guys that are going to pick it up. I think the pitching uh, has been outstanding. Peyton Paulette was everything we've talked about him. Uh, he earned that start. He was 93 to 95. The curveball was as nasty as advertised. And then Caleb Bolden, man, what a performance last night. Four innings and seven strikeouts. Uh, 15 total strikeouts between Paulette and Bolden against Texas. Uh, Lyle Lockhart against TCU was He's a senior, and, and it shows. He's got really good command of four pitches. Uh, Jackson Wiggins came in and blew the doors off the place as, as I've been hyping him up. And he he kind of helped me out on that. But, you know, somebody that talented is going to come in and do big things. Uh, it's like I told everybody last week on the podcast when, when Ty said, what do we take from this? Yeah, it, it's good experience, but we don't want to get too high or too low. It's good experience. We're going to move up in the polls because we beat two teams that were ranked in the top 10. Uh, but there's a lot of season left. And you talked about Brady Slavens. He was the 20th ranked Juco prospect coming into, I guess, out of the 2020 season uh, into this year. And yeah, I mean, he's just been the guy that I don't think anybody was expecting to explode the way that he has. Matt Goodhart was unexpectedly out right there at the last seconds due to, I believe it's some stomach pains and, and seizures. So nothing but the best to him and his recovery on that. But Matt Goodhart's definitely been one of your consistent guys really dating. Of course, like I mentioned, we only played 16 games last year. But in the 2019 season, when he went back to the College World Series, he was a key piece. What do you do when he's been a proven leader, a proven player, and Brady Slavens is coming in and starting off this hot? Yeah, you kind of saw a little bit of panic on some Hog fans' faces when you get you lose hit, hurt Kerstad and Martin, and then Goodhart's out for the first series. So you kind of got to do it collectively, and the, you go to the JUCO ranks. Jalen Battles had the game against Texas Tech. Uh, went three for five with a double, and then Slavens did it against Texas. So you you have to rely on your JUCO products uh, to fill those gaps sometimes. And those two guys are going to be there for this year and this year only, and they're going to go play pro ball after that. So uh, that was big. Coach Van Horn had said that Slavens would get at bats and play first base. 
the reason he was the number 20th ranked and not higher is because they don't know what to do with him on defense yet. He's got a really good body for first base, but he played third base at Wichita State, kind of fell behind there, played a little bit of shortstop at Johnson County. So Cullen Smith was a little bit advanced offensively. They're both left-handed hitters. They're both going to play. And Cullen Smith hitting out of the three-hole right now has done a really good job as well. But, yeah, Slavin's uh, – it's going to be hard to keep him out of the lineup, and he, he has serviced well in place of Matt Goodhart in that DH role. You talked about some of the really good pitching, Jackson Wiggins, Peyton Paulette. But I'll, I'll talk about uh, Lockhart, Lyle Lockhart, the transfer from Houston, pitched four innings, gave up two hits, but struck out eight. Um, you know, of course, Caleb Bolden was another one of those, just been really solid pitching all the way around for the most part. But again, Lockhart came in in that grad transfer role and just really uh, opened up a lot of eyes. Yeah, he was one I picked from the get go that, you know, based on Coach Van Horn saying, look, we don't mind giving him the ball for five innings and turn it over to the bullpen. That's exactly what he's doing on the first weekend on, on the third game of a series. So, it's good to have somebody that's been there before. He was all conference at Houston. He was a Friday night guy. So the stage is not going to bother him. Being in front of 15,000 fans at Globe Life Park is not going to bother this young man because he's pitched on those big stages. And it's really good to see a lefty that can blow some smoke up there. And, you know, I watched a couple of the highlights uh, posted on Twitter by the Razorback baseball account, and he's got some stuff. He's got some good, really good arm side run. And looks like he's got some rise on his fastball, too. So that's going to make hitters really uncomfortable. And speaking of, we'll stay on pitching. So in if there's any game that you can really critique it in a negative way uh, was against Texas Tech where you gave up nine runs. Now, you look at uh, you look at what Zeb Vermillion did. He did had a very respectable game. I think he gave you about around five innings. But right there after that, um, you know, Elijah Tress finished up, started off struggling a little bit, did really well. But right there in the middle, you know, Kevin Copps and, and Cole Ramage, guys like that, does that really kind of concern you considering they've been on this squad for a little while and they still just kind of have been really inconsistent? Yeah, and you hit on it. The last word you said right there is inconsistent. Both of them have shown that they have really good stuff and can compete at a high level. But Cops has been run out of a game before. And the problem I saw against Texas Tech was we would get momentum. We got down five to one and then we stormed back. Well, the very next inning, we hit a guy, then walk a guy. Then we have another really good inning on the offensive side, come back, get momentum, and no other pitcher does. Hit a guy, walk a guy. That is deflating as an offense and as a defensive player when. You can't throw strikes. And Caden Monk, you know, he, he did really good for two-thirds of an inning against Texas in that role because he only threw, I think, 19 pitches, nine pitches, excuse me, against Texas Tech. Uh, so he was able to bounce right back. He uh, got behind on hitters. And when you get behind on hitters, especially a good lineup like Texas Tech, you got to put it over the middle of the plate, and they're going to do damage with it. The one I was really impressed with was Elijah Trest. He made one mistake. So to speak, he gave up the home run, the three-run home run, but I think he got squeezed a little bit uh, by the umpire behind the plate. It was kind of it was kind of a, an, an amoeba strike zone. You kind of didn't know where it was, and it was always changing. But I think you do have enough depth that an, a bad outing by Ramit and Cops is not going to play too big into things because you got a lot of other guys in there, and they're still pushing for starting positions right now. Vermillion, I think his velocity was down a little bit. That's not really concerning. He threw 93, but I expected him to be more 93 to 95, 96, kind of like Peyton Paulette was. Uh, but and the, the breaking stuff was not as sharp. It wasn't in the zone as much as I thought it would. But I, I think he has a shot. Remember, that's his first time starting ever in a Razorback uniform. So uh, it'd be interesting to see if he gets to start this next weekend and how they roll him out against SEMO. You feel like some of these guys now every year it seems, especially in the last ten, even fifteen years, with the amount of guys that have gone to the next level from Arkansas. You know, Christian Franklin, guys like that. I know Jalen Battles is another one that people have high expectations for. I know Robert Moore is not draft eligible this year, but he is definitely going to be one of the top guys coming into next year. Do you feel that some of these guys just have a little bit too much pressure on them? And is it really fair? I do, and I think the pressure comes from about two years ago. And I'll say this. I was talking to a professional scout for the Padres organization. He said, Cabo, I'm really kind of surprised what 
they got going on at the Hill, but I'm really not. I said, what do you mean? He said, well, usually in any given year, you got about eight to 10 guys that will play at the next level. Any kind of professional ball from minor leagues all the way up to the bigs. I said, yeah, that, that's about right. He said, well, this year there's 17. So you make that kind of jump in talent. And that was the year we had 11 drafted right after the World Series. And the pressure's on from there. So anytime you step into that superstar role, people are going to expect great things right away. They're going to expect the 448 batting average and four home runs in the first two series of the year like Kerstad did last year. That That's not realistic. So I just want to, you know, just remind fans, look, these guys are human. This is their first time out of the gate. Yeah, they're a little white-knuckled right now because they're getting to play baseball for the first time in 350 days. So, you know, if they're hitting under 200 right now, remember that's not going to last all year long because these are really good ball players and they can bust out of it at any time. That, that next pitch could be an RBI triple, and you never know what can happen from there. You can get on a roll. We've been talking with Kevin Bohannon, our baseball guru from the Hog Talk podcast. You guys can catch us every week. He'll be uh, giving his expertise because he is definitely the expert out of all of us, and I have continued to love just sitting back and soaking in that knowledge, not just because I can't uh, – I can't spit out the stuff that you do, but also it's just uh, it's it's very educational to learn because you don't get it a lot of other places, at least not for free. So, uh, Kevin, good talking with you, man. Go get you some rest. I know you've had a long weekend like all of us, and uh, you know, hopefully look forward to... Uh, with American National, you get a dedicated agent who will help you make well-informed decisions about protecting your lifestyle. Call us today for a free review of your commercial, home, and auto policies, or to learn more about our customizable farm and ranch insurance. Let the Atkins Agency be your agency of choice. You can visit us on the web at theatkinsagency.com. Call us at 501-428-0877 or connect with us through Facebook. Go Hogs! Located in Fayetteville, Rapology is your top spot for banners, signs, and wraps. From commercial fleet wraps, color changes, vinyl decals, and much more, they take care of you in a timely and professional manner. Call Rapology today at 479-368-6490. Again, that's 479-368-6490. The Hawk Talk Podcast is brought to you by Heinemann Services. Heinemann Services is a family-owned and operated business whose work ethic and customer service will restore your confidence in handyman. They offer interior and exterior projects for your home or business, including repairs, installations, small remodels, landscaping, decks, fencing, and much more. Call Corey and his crew today at 479-347-9336. That's 479-347-9336. We're back on episode number 169 of the Hog Talk Podcast. Now joining me on the Workman's Travel Center hotline is National Recruiting Director for Rivals.com and the godfather of recruiting, Mike Farrell. Mike, really appreciate you taking some time out to join me today. All right, no problem. So I want to start off with, I know you're actually in the Northeast. Uh, You guys are accustomed to snow and all the wintry weather during this time of year. Uh, What do you have to make of all the panic and everything that's been going on across the South, especially uh, with all these snowstorms and Arctic weather we've been having? I think it's kind of natural, you know, I mean, you, you guys haven't experienced it and it's not something that happens very often. Um, you know, every year for a long time, I went down to San Antonio for the U S army all American bowl. And, uh, you know, San Antonio is pretty South Texas, but it was cold and, you know, but it never snowed. So I get ice and snow is not a good mixture down there. And, uh, you know, we had a storm just recently, uh, I think six months ago where we lost power for four days. And then, you know, like a few years ago, we lost power for eight days. So it happens up here too. Um, you know, but the reaction down there makes a lot of sense because it's just so foreign. Yeah. I actually lived in San Antonio. I'm a native of Arkansas, of course, but I uh, lived in San Antonio for three years. And in that time we had a little bit of snow and ice for about a total of 12 hours. So certainly understand, uh, where they're coming from and, uh, hopefully, by the time this releases, uh, Texas is getting close to back to normal, but it is going to take a little bit of time. But we'll get right into it here, Mike. So Rivals.com was founded in 1998 in Seattle by Jim Heckman, and I know you've been around pretty much since the beginning or since the beginning. Talk about the introduction to the site and your involvement in helping it get started. Yeah, so I worked at the time for um, 
uh, a magazine called EagleAction.com, which is Boston College magazine up here. And, um, you know, Tim's vision was to take, obviously, the, the, the newspaper and, and magazine business and put it online uh, when it comes to recruiting and, and college football. So, you know, it was a good idea. So I kind of went along with the site itself. And then, um, you know, they started noticing my stuff. Uh, recruiting wise, they, they wanted me to be a regional guy. And, um, you know, right before the first rivals went out of business, uh, they started talking about a, a larger role, but it was ad based. And that was at the time when ads were dying and, and the subscription model popped up under new ownership, uh, uh less than a year later. And, and it's just grew and grew. What got you the name of the Godfather of recruiting? I know you kind of touched a little bit, like how you got started right then, but who gave you that nickname and, and when about did it did it uh, come about? So we we were based out of Nashville, uh, Brentwood, and and I would go down there every couple of weeks to shoot video, probably around two thousand four, two thousand three, and uh, a guy named Chris Childers who uh, does full ride with Rick Neuheisel on Sirius XM Radio, and I do his show every week. Um, he was, uh, he was doing a little radio there too. He was also, I believe, a producer. Uh, and, and I don't know, he just said it one day, you know, I, I came in, it wasn't like I was dressed, you know, like a mafia guy or anything like that, but the, the way I approached things and anybody who got in my way, I would sort of just knock aside. Uh, he started calling me the godfather of recruiting and it just took off. I mean, it just caught um, at first I was like weirded out by it and then I embraced it and now it's become, it's become a thing, but people think I gave it to myself. Um, so they think I'm arrogant and, and egotistical and, and I am to some extent, but, uh, I have not given myself a nickname. So since when it started in the late nineties, that was about the time that people were still uh, using dial up. That's about all that we had. We didn't have Twitter, didn't have Facebook, any of the social medias, other than, of course, I mean, I know the internet and social media has evolved just incredibly since that time, but how have things gotten easier for you just from a day-to-day basis with the way that it is now compared to then? Well, it's easier and it's harder. So the easier part, obviously, is I've got access to just so much information and data when it comes to evaluating prospects. Um, I've got so much access to kids and you know whether it's dming them through twitter or text messaging them or, or whatever um or you know them putting out their own lists on twitter um it's just a different world back in the day you know you used to have to talk to kids on aol instant messenger on dial-up and that was really the only uh, chat option and and there was no facebook there was no twitter as you mentioned or any social media um and you had to call kids and talk to them on the phone um we rarely got out and scouted in the first years because we just didn't have the budget for it. Um, you know, and the only camps available at the time were Nike camps. So, you know, from an evaluation standpoint, it's, it's worlds different. Um, but also it's crazy because you try to keep up with everything and now it's, it's really impossible. Like if, if, if a kid committed back in 2003, you know, that could, that could stay silent for a few days. Um, and you'd have a chance to break it. That's not going to happen now. Uh, they break it themselves for the most part. If they don't, it's lined up to be broken. And, um, you know, juggling rivals and the message boards, Twitter and Instagram and, and Facebook and TikTok and all that stuff is just it's a little overwhelming. Um, and the phone itself has become a little overwhelming too. So there's goods and bad to it, but I don't miss the VHS tapes in the mailbox. Um, but I also miss, I guess, having like five minutes a piece, which is it's just not going to happen. So to how much uh, – that, that was kind of what I was going to lead up with next. I know I've seen you tweet about uh, various prospects pretty much every week since I followed you on Twitter. But how much hands-on now – I know since you are the national director, how much hands-on do you have like on a, like on a typical day with a prospect? Um, it depends, you know, I mean, these, 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 uh, the kids are good. Well, um, you know, I mean, they, they respect the check mark, they respect the followers and they respect the name. You know, some of them don't initially know who I am and then we'll just see that I, I follow them on Twitter and I've got 145,000 followers and, 
and they'll be like, whoa, who's this guy? And then the next thing you know, we'll strike up a conversation and DM after, as they follow me back. And, and it's pretty easy for me to get information um, just because of the reputation and, 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 you know, them knowing who I am, but I'm not as into it day to day. Like I, when I was a regional and national guy, there were guys that the information was, it was thrown on me to own it. Um, you know, I remember Cyrus Quandro delaying his decision, Terrell Pryor delaying his decision, Davian Clowney delaying his decision, Byron Collett with the two, the two letters signed, one to Florida, one to Auburn, um, Stefan Diggs delaying his decision, like all these big national names that no one else could get on the phone and, and they wouldn't talk to anybody else. So it became my responsibility to sort of own that information from start to finish. It was easier when I was on TV on ESPN, you know, and then that sort of dried up when, when ESPN didn't buy Yahoo and, and the whole thing just turned in, I mean, not by, by Yahoo. ESPN didn't buy rivals. Yahoo did. And then Yahoo and ESPN hate each other. And then I got kicked off TV and it was all a big nightmare, but owning the information on a daily basis, I don't do anymore, but I can hop into a kid and just check in with them and see what's going on. And, and usually they don't mess with me. They, they won't give me phony answers or, you know, they'll, they'll tell me what's going on. Sam Pittman took over Arkansas in December of 2019, and you guys at Rivals had him his class in 2020, 41st best in the country. Now, what can you say about the job that he has done thus far, taking over what he took over, the worst two-year stretch in program history under Chad Morris? He's consistently stressing the importance of recruiting, and, and what do you think about the overall foundation that he's set thus far? Yeah, Sam was a very good recruiter as an assistant coach, but, you know, specialized in – in, in certain regions and offensive linemen. Um, you know, I think he made our top 25 recruiter list a couple times. And I remember obviously his name standing out, you know, quite a few times, mostly obviously at Georgia and, and North Carolina, but you know, I thought this was a, a, a rough hire. I mean, I thought this was like a guy who's never been a coordinator, much less a head coach jumping into a situation that was so bad. Um, you know, that, I didn't think it was going to work out. And again, it hasn't yet, but it's worked out a whole lot better than we expected it to. I mean, Chad Morris had some okay re recruiting numbers because of his ties to Texas. Um, you know, his class in, in 2019 was top 20 in the country, but from an ability to evaluate talent and develop talent, it was clear he was way over his head. Um, and I don't think Pittman is. Now, that being said, I like Sam Pittman. Uh, he's a guy to root for, for sure. And I'd love to see Arkansas, you know, be a factor in the SEC West because it's getting kind of old, um, you know, with the same old teams. But, man, he's still got a tough job. Uh, but I expected no wins this season. I really did. When they came out with the schedule, I thought he got absolutely screwed. And I thought he was just going to go over his first year. And and he surprised a lot of people, and I'm glad he did. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I think I projected one and nine. So I thought that they would maybe get one of the Mississippi schools, and that was it. So a little bit pleasantly surprised there. And you guys currently have – there are actually you have the 2021 class that was just uh, finalized earlier this month at ne uh, number 25, I believe it is. Some of the names that jump off at you is Rocket Sanders, uh, the four stars, Rocket Sanders and Keytron Jackson. But from some of the things that you've seen, is there anybody that you've looked at as a possible sleeper that not enough people are talking about? Yeah, and there's always a lot of them. I mean, you know, the, the thing about recruiting is, you know, is it chicken – versus egg, you know, do, do kids get offers uh, because they're great players, you know, or are they great players that earn those offers? I mean, it's, it's one of those things where a lot of the kids that Arkansas recruits, you know, aren't coveted by Texas or Oklahoma or, you know, going out of region Ohio state or, you know, Clemson or Alabama doesn't mean they're not good football players. And it also doesn't mean that, that, three stars are not good football players either. We've got a problem in this industry and, and even I have to sort of play to it. The problem in this industry is that the three star was completely devalued when the competition came in, in 2010. Um, I won't mention any names, but 
and just started throwing three stars on everybody. So now fan bases are disappointed with three stars. And, you know, the majority of your NFL rosters are made up of three star kids because, you know, there, there's 2,200 three stars. Well, not 2,200. There's just like 1,400 three stars compared to 35 stars. Um, so obviously there's a bigger group. Uh, you know, so like a guy like AJ Green is a great example. You know, he's, he's a three star kid from Oklahoma. You know, obviously didn't get all the offers he wanted. Um, had some nice ones. I mean, LSU was interested in all that stuff. Um, but he decided to, you know, head to uh, Arkansas because it's a better fit for him and his skill set. Now, you know, again, he's, they weren't fighting off Alabama and, and Clemson and the rest of the world, but they're fighting off Texas. And that's pretty hard to do, you know, for an Oklahoma kid. They're fighting off Oklahoma, which is really hard to do. Uh, but he wasn't a priority for those teams, and, and Arkansas made him a priority. So sometimes those type of kids pan out better um, than your your four stars who you know sort of feel they've already made it. Uh, so I would say he's he's an example. Um, the offensive line, Pittman does a great job evaluating offensive linemen. Now he's only got three in this class, um, you know, and and two of them are are massive. Just massive like terry wells and devon Manuel are massive football players you know really raw but ready to play physically um and then cole carlson i think is the best of the of a lot who's going to grow um i would expect at least two of those guys to pan out and, and be multi-year starters just because because Pittman knows the position so well and he's so smart at, at picking those kids as we're recording, Arkansas's 22 class currently has four commits ranked by rivals at 21st, two within state lines, tight end Dax Courtney, defensive end J.J. Hollingsworth, and then offensive lineman Eli Henderson from South Carolina. But the most recent one was a four-star all-purpose back, Rashad DeBinion. Of course, he is a uh, he goes to the same school, Cedar Grove, that our running backs coach Jimmy Smith won some state championships at. Mm-hmm. He's a guy who can do a lot for you. How do you see him fitting into Kendall Browse's offense with his ability not only to run, but catch passes out of the backfield and do things on screens. Yeah, he's a lot stronger than people give him credit for. Um, you know, a lot of people see 5'10", 175, and they think, okay, scat back, going to have to get him the ball in space. Uh, and he does make people miss. There's no doubt about it. And he's got that speed where he can not only break away, but run across the field away from people, um, you know, even if they have an angle. But but he runs up the middle too, and and he bounces off people. His balance is excellent. His his vision solid, but his balance is great. Um, he's one of those guys that I think is just going to sort of surprise people by how well he can run inside. Um, you know, I I didn't compare him to Alex Collins, but I said he could have an Alex Collins type of career um, because Alex was the thousand yard rusher for three years. Um, obviously, thicker and taller, uh, but. You know, just very similar guys as far as sneaky strength, um, you know, and, and the ability to bounce off tackles and get that extra yard or, or two yards. So um, he's got a tremendous spin move and they'll use him in space as well. A lot of people would like to think Felix Jones, but I, I think he's going to be more of an every down back than, than most people think. Mike, last question I got for you. I have a, conversations with people about this all the time, but we all know about the talent in Texas, South Louisiana, Florida, those states. But what are maybe one or two states or just areas that you believe is underrated from a recruiting standpoint? Well, growing-wise, you know, it's, it's, it's very interesting to see that a state like Tennessee, for example, has really uh, grown when it comes to talented prospects over the last many years. And, and Maryland is another one, uh, but I'm trying to stay close to, you know, Arkansas's recruiting footprint. Tennessee would definitely stand out to me. Um, I think there's been a big improvement, you know, a, a bit in the Midwest. And I say Kansas and Missouri, I won't, I won't name one state over the other, but there's some really talented kids in the middle of the country that I think, you know, a lot of schools are starting to notice, you know, when you see Clemson come in to, to take an Isaiah Williams away or, or whatever, you know, people are starting to notice that there's talent in the Midwest. So, you know, those stand out to me. Um, you're always going to get your most kids from Texas. It, it, you know, Arkansas has got to keep kids home um, and they've got to recruit, you know, obviously into the Southeast and, and over in Oklahoma, but I think they can have some success 
you know, pulling kids out of Texas, I mean, Tennessee, as they did with Knox, um, and possibly hitting the middle of the country. We've been talking with Rivals.com National Recruiting Director Mike Farrell. Mike, really appreciate you joining me today on the Hawk Talk Podcast. All right, bro. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.